Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Normally talking about award voting, you know, voting for awards or all-star games or anything like that, to me personally is generally one of the most boring things ever. You know, same thing when talking about who you will and will not vote for for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not going to lie, but when those topics come up, there are times when I actually check out. I know some of you live for that. Some of you love that heat. But for things like that that feel contrived and manufactured, I kind of check out sometimes. And maybe it's because it's what it is. Manufactured, contrived, and boring. In fact, most of the time, when you hear an award voter talking about their ballot for something, what it is, more than anything else, is a look-at-me moment. It's not even about the person that they're voting for or not voting for. It's about them. Look at me. So another reason why I generally just kind of ignore that whole thing. However, every now and then, it comes up and it does need to be addressed. And in this case... One of the 50 voters for the NFL MVP award has said that he will not vote for Aaron Rodgers. All right, it's fine, I guess. I mean, Rodgers would appear to be the favorite for the award. He won it last year. He's done more than enough to win it again this year. He's the guy, right? But if you want to make an argument for somebody else and that's your vote, go right ahead. Like as an example, I could accept the argument that you might use that vote for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has put the Colts on his back. In fact, I wouldn't even fight if you want to tell me that you thought that Joe Burrow deserves some MVP run because the Bengals have been just that good. Well, they're up and down, but when they're good, they're really good and they're dangerous. And actually, they're a pretty entertaining team. So if you want to say to me, no, Burrow is the guy, I mean, I'll listen to that argument. I wouldn't even have a huge problem if you made the claim that Tom Brady is actually being overlooked. I mean, a little weird, I guess, but you do you. And even though wide receivers never win, even though wide receivers never win and probably never will, if you want to get creative with it and try and make an argument for Cooper Cup, you know, I would listen to that. But in the case of this one voter, he's not voting for Rodgers because of all these things I mentioned. He's not voting for Rodgers in his own words because Rodgers is a, quote, jerk and, quote, a bad guy. Actually, he's not even a jerk. He's, quote, the biggest jerk in the league. End of quote. You know, so my reaction would be like, I mean, <laughs> wait, what? Is that real? Is that a parody account? Is this all some kind of elaborate prank? Is somebody getting over on all of us? Like, you're not going to vote for the guy who's the likely MVP because he's a jerk? Like, how does that make sense? And how old are you? Is this a league MVP balloting or a popularity contest? Is this the NFL or high school? I mean, like, yeah, I I acknowledge that probably he does deserve to go back to back. But you know what? He's not getting my vote because I hate that guy. Great player, bad dude. Great player, jerk. Great player, biggest jerk in the league. Let me tell you about that guy. He could pass for 10,000 yards and 100 TDs this season. He's still not getting my vote because he's, quote, the worst guy in the league. I mean, that's your criteria? If I don't like a dude personally, there's no way I'm going to vote for this guy regardless of what he did on the field? He's the biggest jerk in the league? I mean, how so? Did he steal money from you? Did he MF you somehow? Is it because you're a voter in Chicago and he punks your team every single time and lets you know about it? Are you still bummed out about that whole, I own you, rap? Because the fact of the matter is he does still own you. That's just a fact. Like it's a fact that he should get the MVP award. Again. Hey, listen, I want to be very clear about this too. If you don't like this guy, great. If you think this guy's a jerk, you are entitled to that opinion. But... You're a dope if that opinion blocks you from voting for the guy. It is the NFL MVP. It's given to the most valuable player in the league. Theoretically, it goes to the best player on the best team. Theoretically, it goes to the quarterback on the best team or the most indispensable player on a team that's got a chance to do something. I mean, you can make an argument for any of these things, but what you should not argue for is it goes to the guy that I like the best on a pretty good team. I mean, 
let's look at the MVPs. Michael Jordan, is that the best guy in the NBA? <gasps> Doubt that. In fact, hell no, he wasn't. What about Lawrence Taylor when he won it back in the day? What about Adrian Peterson when he was indicted for reckless or negligent injury to a child? Does that mean that you can't vote for that guy either? Or that you're going to go back and rip his MVP award retroactively? I mean, even Aaron's predecessor, Brett Favre, was not exactly a model citizen when he was stacking MVPs. Should those have been stripped when the gunslinger was slinging pics of his junk? Again, that's Alvin, not me. If I had that boing button, I would push it. That's the gunslinger. And yes, I will get to the knife slinger as well. Didn't that guy win the MVP? He killed two people. So, oh. If you have an issue with the fact, let's go back to Aaron Rodgers for a minute. If you have an issue with the fact that he misled the public about his vaccination status and he put people in jeopardy and he ended up missing a game after a positive test, I can understand that. I have no problem with you having a problem with that. But this is not a character award, right? And it shouldn't be a popularity contest. It's an honesty award. That's what it is. So when it comes to voting for the MVP award, the question actually is pretty simple. In fact, the answer is the name. The answer to the simple question, most valuable player, is he the most valuable player in the league? And the answer is yes, he is. He's just shy of 4,000 yards for the season. He's thrown for 35 TDs, only four picks. That ratio of TDs to interceptions is one of the best ever in league history. He leads the league in passer rating. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams' borderline unstoppable. It's one of the most dangerous and explosive combinations, not only in the NFL, but in all of sports. Borderline erotic. Borderline erotic. That's how good it is. Borderline erotic. Borderline erotic. erotic. Come on, Alvin. Thank you. This guy's team has got the... His team has got the best record in the NFL. They are positioned to make a Super Bowl run. They've got the top seed. They've got the bye that comes along with it. Win a couple of games, and they're here in L.A. Now, yes, they lost the game that he missed due to COVID. But they've won damn near every other game this season. And they have that one seed. And that means that the Super Bowl goes through Lambeau again. And Rodgers is the biggest reason for it. Like, I could go on. But you don't need me to. But as a quick refresher, he did all of this in a season when after week one, everybody said that he was too distracted by the offseason and that football just did not matter to him as much as it should. Or whatever the argument was when everybody was throwing dirt on this guy after week one. The award is about football. Talking about the award this way and your vote being that way, it's just embarrassing, right? Like, now I'm not going to vote for that guy. I don't like him. He's a jerk. Chris Long tweeted, all right? Don't take my word for it. Chris Long tweeted, quote, this is dumb. He lied. The cancellation boogeyman isn't real, but this is dumb. Also, if you think that he's the biggest jerk in the league, you don't know players. He's the MVP. This is about football. I would venture a guess, too. I mean, like, again, everybody is entitled to their opinion, but I've always said this. Some of the guys who you think are the best guys are actually the worst guys. And some of the guys who you think are the worst guys are actually the best guys. And I don't know everybody in the NFL, but I do know Aaron Rodgers a little bit. In my opinion, this is not the biggest jerk in the NFL. I can think of a lot of jerks much bigger than that jerk. And again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be disappointed by the way he handled his vaccination status. Even he himself acknowledges that that may cost him some votes. But to say you're not going to vote for the guy because he's, quote, the biggest jerk in the NFL? Oh, no, they're bigger jerks than Aaron Rodgers. Believe that. If the Packers had not already locked up the number one seed in the NFC, and if it turned out that that loss to Kansas City, the game that he missed was the reason that they did not clinch that number one spot, Then we have a discussion, right? 
And it would be an interesting discussion because then in that case, we'd be talking about how much his decision to not get vaccinated impacted the team. Except that didn't happen. He made sure of it. They went 13-2 and with him as the starter this season. So after that week one disaster, the one game Rodgers lost was on the road against the Vikings on a last second field goal after he tied it with just over two minutes left. And that was after he led them back from down 13 in the second half. So what I'm saying, you can feel how you want to feel about this guy. I'm not telling you you can't. And it's completely fine for your feelings about him to have changed as a result of him misleading people about his vaccination status and then how he talked about the entire situation. It would make complete sense to me that this whole situation would change how folks feel about him. I get that. But to think that he shouldn't be the league MVP because he's, quote, a jerk is just whack. It's a bad take. It's a dumb take. Like, it makes me want to call you a wambulance. I mean, I tell everybody who will listen, you are not your feelings. You are not your feelings. Mind over your feelings. So don't make decisions based on being butthurt. Bonds. Ty Cobb. (laughs) A-Rod? Come on. What, are you going to retroactively take Magic's MVP because he's horrible at Twitter and had orgies after games? Yeah, and clones, do me a favor. Save your knife slinger resets. The gunslinger is fine, but save your knife slinger resets about Oge. It's 2022, not 2002. But if I'm not mistaken... Didn't that machete-wielding NFLer also win it? Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Who wants dried Tough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? He is Will Brinson. My <laughs> man, Will, what's going on? Jim, what's up, man? Hope you're, uh, hope you're doing well. Well, uh, we can just uh, blame uh, Brian Kelly and his family. For, uh, <laughs> that, that's it. Man, that guy's got to stop. It's all his fault and the family. All right, so, Will, let me ask you this. The Browns announced yesterday that Baker Mayfield's going to get surgery. He's not going to play in Sunday's season finale. And all of a sudden now there's, well, I don't want to say all of a sudden now, but especially now there is some friction apparently. How would you personally describe the relationship between Baker and the team right now, and what does his future look like there? I think the – if, you know, if, I, if I had to use one word, you do the old PTI thing where you get fill in the blank, right? I would say deteriorating because they're in this spot. It's this, it's this really weird spot, Jim, because Baker, you know, they picked him his fifth-year option, so he's going to be back next year. He put off contract talks last offseason, which I thought was a good move because he wanted to go out and prove that he was worthy of a big contract this, this season. Obviously, it didn't happen. You know, Baker's health was a problem. Uh, the non-throwing shoulder, you know, the mechanics have gotten sloppy. The Browns didn't win football games. People like dependent on Baker. Uh, you know, easy scapegoat as a quarterback. The, the issue, I think, is that, you know, he wants a long-term deal, and I don't think the Browns would hate giving him a contract. But the, the gulf between what Baker can take reasonably, you know, as a, as a franchise quarterback, and what the Browns can give him is just too wide. Like, if you're Baker Mayfield or any young quarterback, even if you're, you know, struggling some – like you're not taking less than Carson Wentz, and that guy makes thirty-two million dollars a year. I mean, Baker just you 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 can't like pride-wise, or you know, uh, your agent's not going to let you take a twenty-five million dollar a year contract from the Browns 
But at the same time, the Browns can't give Baker $35 million. They'd get roasted, and, and, and they'd probably regret it within, within a year. So I, I think they sort of have to try and pretend like this year didn't happen and go into 2022 with Baker, see if he can live up to the, you know, live up to the expectations we had from him, for him coming into this season. And if he bounces back in a big way, maybe then you can figure out a contract. But, you know, it gets tricky with the franchise tag and, and how much you want to give him. It, it's just a, it's a weird spot to be in. Uh, the one thing I think the Browns have to you know, worry about it, they can't, they can't golf it up or, or wince it up. You know, they can't give this guy a contract and all of a sudden they regret it, you know, a year and a half later. Will Brinson is joining us. All right, fair enough. Hey, well, what are your early thoughts on the Chargers and the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday night? Who do you like in that game and why? I mean, I want to love the Chargers because I think they're a better overall team, Jim. But, uh, you know, the, the betting against Derek Carr has not, is not, uh, not done me well uh, in, in, the last, really, in the last few years, although they've struggled down the stretch. It, it's really interesting to see Vegas rally the way they have. I mean, it, you, know, you sort of get a – like destiny, you know, team of, not team of destiny vibes, but just the fact that you can lose your coach, you know, you can lose your top playmaker to insanely bizarre and unique and you know, tragic, and for one of them, circumstances. Like we've never seen that really happen to a team uh, in the middle of a regular season. They start to just collapse and then somehow get it together. You know, Scotch tape this thing together and figure out a way to get into a win and you're in playoff scenario. Um, I, I, you know, and the other thing is. Like, who wants to bet against the house in Vegas, you know? Like, the house always wins, and Vegas is, uh, Vegas is home for this game. So maybe they find a way to pull it off. Certainly the Chargers are the better team. If, if L.A. chokes this one away and, and doesn't make the playoffs, I think Brandon Staley's going to catch a little bit of heat this offseason, uh, particularly from those who, who don't like his aggressiveness on fourth down. And, of course, we have the scenario where if somehow the Colts lose to Jacksonville and they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014, which is crazy. Um, you know, if they, if they, if they do that, then the, we could get the, the chargers and the Raiders taking knees as Roger Goodell uh, tries to, you know, tries to like sprint down to the field and, and tackle somebody before ruining the product on Sunday night. All right. Will Brinson joining us. What you're talking about is that scenario whereby if the Jags do somehow beat the Colts and stranger things have happened, there is that scenario where the Chargers and the Raiders would both make the playoffs with a tie. Will, is there any way in hell they would actually <laughs> attempt to engineer a tie? I don't think it could happen. I think these teams and players care too much about winning games. We heard, you know, in the Manning cast on Monday night, you know, Peyton and Eli were talking about Peyton was, he seemed still mad about uh, being told he couldn't play the, the regular season finales because the Colts had too many wins. And Eli talked about, you know, going out and, and trying against the Patriots. And, and so I don't think it would happen. And I do think that Roger Goodell and, and the NFL would let the clubs know if that scenario was unfolding going into Sunday night, like, look, uh, you know, we can't technically control what you do on the field, but if you guys go out there and take knees, there's going to be some repercussions. If it does start to unfold that way, Jim, I want a full Game of Thrones-style betrayal from one of those squads where, like, you know, they've agreed to take knees, and then all of a sudden Brandon Staley's just over there like Cersei sipping a cup of wine, laughing as, uh, as, as Staley starts to go down – I mean, as uh, Herbert starts to go down the field for a field goal. That would be the best – Honestly, look, there's an issue of integrity, but there is another issue, right? There is the gambling issue. Now, you mentioned, Will, yourself that the house never loses, right? The house always wins. Overall, how has your betting treated you lately? Uh, I would say that this, the last few weeks, I've been pretty hot, man. Uh, Pitching it to spread. I, I mean, look, I had a rough middle patch of the season. I, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, but the last three weeks, I think I'm like, I mean, I, I think I've got uh, 10, I have 10, 14, 12 wins against the spread on all our picks. So, uh, to kind of, kind of ride a little hot streak into week 18. Uh, we'll see if it continues, man. I mean, this is, this is, you know, one of those crazy weeks where, you know, sort of like bowl, you're betting on bowl games. You kind of have to factor in motivation, et cetera. Uh, like I love the, I love Washington this week. Um, I know they're not a good football team, but Joe Judge comes out with this bananas 11 minute rant where he sideswipes Ron Rivera and calls the, we, we you know, he claimed it was at Washington, but come on, bro. You're talking about teams fighting on the field. It wasn't the Rams that was happening during your game. He's clearly talking about the Washington football team. Sideswipes Rivera calls it, calls it a clown organization. Uh, I think Ron goes out there and runs up with a score on a bad Giants team. We're talking to Will Brinson. It's another tough, tough week when it comes to gambling. But then again, every single week is a tough, tough week when it comes to gambling. Well, let me ask you something. Are there any teams? Are there any teams that 
if you know, if you like in your gut that if you play them, they will cost you, and that if you don't play them, they will cost you. Is there a team like that? You don't even have to mention what the team is, but I feel like everybody's got one of those teams or one of those guys that always jams them hard like that. Do you experience that yourself? Yeah, but it's not necessarily in the NFL usually. I can't I, – I suck at betting on Nick Saban. I, I, I always get it wrong. I, you know, like I you know, back Georgia in the title game. Um, I actually – I think I had Saban against uh, Cincinnati, but that's sort of a different circumstance. But generally speaking, uh, I am terrible at betting on Nick Saban and or the Carolina Tar Heels. Like I just should just avoid it for the rest of my life. I cannot get either of those right. They always burn me. Will Brinson joining us. That's what I'm getting at. Hey, really quickly, go back to Joe Judge. So when the Giants have lost five in a row by double digits and they look horrible week in and week out, and then you've got Judge going off on these crazy rants and tangents that show that he's in so far over his head, knowing all of that, how is this guy's job safe going forward? It's, and by the way, yeah, if, if people like the Joe Judge rant, Bill Barnwell and I actually did a podcast yesterday. I think it's an hour, it ended up being an hour long. And the only thing we talked about was Joe Judge's rant. We mm. basically broke down the four, like the four or five different. I don't want to call them call them lies, but I mean, let's be real here. Like he he claims he has multiple uh, former Giants calling him every week, like multiple times to say how badly they wish they were back on the Giants, but making less money. That doesn't. There's like seven lies in that lie. Like twenty five year olds don't call people multiple times per week. <laughs> No one's making less money, and nobody wants to come back to the Giants, bro. Like, we did the list. There's not even – there's, like, two qualified candidates. I mean, he has, like, future free agents begging him to, to come back to the team. Come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Um, I, I, you know, I think that the rant, though, Jim, is maybe indicative that his seat could be a little less secure, his job's a little less secure than we were led to believe, uh, you know, that report a few weeks ago. But – my understanding is that ownership loves this guy. They think he's their Belichick for whatever reason. And the Giants ownership group also very, very cognizant at how embarrassing it's been for them the last few years, not just losing a bunch of games, but churning head coaches. You know, they, they fancy themselves you know, a blue, you know, blue, blue blood organization, right? You know, like the, like the, the Steelers, like, you know, two coaches in the history or three coaches in the history of the franchise or whatever it is. And they've been you know, blasting through these, these guys who just can't win, and I think they are trying to find some stability. They buy into all this crap that Judge, that judge spews, maybe even believe the lies, and, um, and I think that's probably why they're going to keep him around while making Dave Gettleman, quote-unquote, retire this offseason. Hey, well, I accept what you just said, and I agree with what you just said, but I want to make one point. I mean, the only thing more absurd than Judge generally speaking, and anything that comes out of his mouth right now is the Giants' ownership confusing him with Bill Belichick. How is there anybody anywhere on this planet that would mention those two guys in the same sentence, much less the ownership group of the Giants? It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's like this guy's been there for two years, and he's a former special teams coach with Bill Belichick. I mean, if you're – if if you're if you're Belichick's old special teams coach, you need to be the most anal retentive, detail oriented, like put together guy on the planet. You and, and he's out there got he's got guys fumbling punts, like two guys running into each other. You know he he claimed that um, he he said in, the, in that rant too in the press conference he said that they they heard a report it might be you know, forty mile an hour winds in Chicago. It's like that was on Wednesday, Joe. I mean, I, I, like, do you not have a smartphone with a with a weather app? Like, do you, if you have an iPhone, that like, my I can't avoid the weather on my phone, and, and it, or I don't know, like, lick your finger and stick it in the air, my man, and figure out if it's windy or not. Like, what, what, how could Wednesday's weather report not change over the course of three days? Like, that's how off this guy is. I don't, I don't. It, it is a it is a weird unraveling for him right now. It is insane. Will Brinson, CBS Sports senior writer. He is host of the Pick 6 podcast. This is why we put him on. He's a good friend of the program, too. Will, appreciate you. Great stuff, as always, man. Thank you so much. Always fun, Jim. Anytime, man. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty preferably with something that's useful, like cash back match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Why don't we play a little word association? That's a fun game. 
I'm going to say something, and you just blurt out the very first thing that comes to mind. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. I am going to say something, and you just blurt out the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I will even count you down to it. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Brian Kelly. I know exactly what your response was. I don't even have to ask. I don't even have to guess. I know for a fact that 100% of you who played that game said family. Family. You know how I know that? I can read minds. Actually, that's not even a magic trick. That's a fact. Every time you think of Brian Kelly going forward, you're going to think of his family. Family. And the reason I mention that is it's actually a pretty remarkable thing. We're talking about a damn good college football coach. We're talking about a three-time national coach of the year. A lot of you like to say, yeah, but he never did this or he never won that. I'll tell you what he's won. The three-time national coach of the year award. Or he's won the National Coach of the Year Award three times. So that's a pretty damn good coach. The winningest coach in Notre Dame history. One of the all-time winningest coaches in college football history. Pretty damn good resume. And yet, despite that fact, it has now been condensed to a single word. Family. Family. Like, my man, if he were to go to a resume service and say, Hey, listen, I'm Brian Kelly. I need a resume. They literally could take a piece of paper and put his name, his email address, his cell number, and then beneath the line, family. Family. And that could be his entire resume. Fair or not, that's what he's known for now, going forward. Family. Family. So last night, Kelly's new team, his football family. Family. LSU was playing Kansas State in the Texas Bowl. Or actually, I should say, what was left of LSU was playing because that was one weird-ass roster that they had last night. Less than 40 scholarship players, no scholarship quarterbacks. They had four quarterbacks in spring practice, and they had zero on the roster last night. They had to go with a wide receiver, a quarterback, a guy who had not thrown a single pass since 2016. And if the roster looked like it was chaos, the coaching staff wasn't much better. They had an interim head coach, a collection of analysts, and a few assistants who were left over from the old staff. No wonder they got their asses kicked by K-State. They were down 42-7 to late in the fourth quarter before they scored twice to make it look like it was less of a blowout. But having said all that, the highlight of the game was not actually the game. It was the in-game interview with Brian Kelly. Now, you know how this goes, right? It's a bowl game tradition. If the new coach is not coaching the team, he shows up at some point in the broadcast to do an interview. That way he can reintroduce himself to the fan base and let everybody know that things are about to change. And the questions are typically about the coach and how he's settling into his new job, how recruiting is going, what kind of a scheme he's going to run, what kind of a culture he's looking for, on and on and on. However, in the case of Brian Kelly last night, the only questions that really mattered were about that horrible dance that he did when a five-star recruit came in and that horrible accent, that fake accent, and exactly what the hell was happening when he dropped that now infamous Family. If he says you gotta dance, you're gonna dance. Why, why wouldn't you dance? And uh, listen, whether it was dancing or I couldn't get my accent down <laughs> with family. Listen, I'm from Boston. We don't have strong accents. And by the way, you cannot get on me about my accent because you got one too. Intercepted and taken away by Russ Yeast on a third and long play. All right. So look, I'm not gonna say that it's fate. But it is worth noting that as he was talking about his dancing and his accent, his new team threw an interception. That's what the ouch was at the end of that clip. I mean, credit to him, I guess, for facing the music. Not really. But you can't avoid the questions about the accent. You simply can't. You can't run from that. And a lot of folks now are getting on him about that line that people from Boston don't have accents. I mean, I hope that was an attempt at a joke, right? 
I mean, that had to have been a joke that wasn't funny. That had to have been a joke that fell flat. Because if not, that line about Boston accents may have been even worse than his attempt at a Southern accent. There is no accent more recognizable than a Boston accent. And Boston, don't hate on me. Half my family is in Boston, right? My father was from Boston. My father went to Brookline High. My father went to BU. My cousins, my family's in Boston. I'm not hating on Boston. They have accents, strong accents. Everybody knows that. Even noted Cajun man Brian Kelly would know that. So I've got to think that he was trying for a joke, but it was a swing and a miss. Yet he kept going for it. Quote, I want to be part of Louisiana. I'm originally from the Midwest and the East Coast, so I want to really immerse myself in Louisiana in this community. I'm so excited to be down here in Baton Rouge. They've treated us so great. It's about family. It's really great. The football is so great. End of quote. You are right about one thing. It is about family. I mean, family. Family. My man's never going to shake that. He will never shake that family. Family. When he left Notre Dame to take the LSU job, the bar was a national championship. You have to do that at LSU to be considered a success. Actually, you have to do that at LSU, and you still might not be considered a success given the last three head coaches did it, and two of them were the hat and Coach O. So just winning one there might not make you a success. The initial minimum requirement for that job was to win a national title. But after that family line, the bar is now set at three national titles. Honestly, even five. A full hand of those rings would not erase family. Family. This guy could win so many titles that everybody could forget about Nick Saban. But they still would never forget about family. family. They could build a statue for this guy in Baton Rouge, and it would still have to say family, family on it somewhere. That's not only part of his resume right now, it is his resume right now. That's not near the top of the resume, that is the resume. Family. As long as he's coaching. Because after all, football is nothing more than one big, happy, Family. Family. No way to joke that away. No way to... Like, you know, winning cures everything. Winning is the ultimate deodorant. Not for the stink that is family. Family. He was on this show. He did not speak... I mean, for years he's come on this show. He never said things like family. Last time I had him on the show was when he broke Newt Rockney's record. He sounded like this. It was your 106th win at Notre Dame that breaks Newt Rockney's record. Were you able to celebrate that with a glass of Macedo on Saturday night? And if so, Brian, how was that? 2016 vintage of Macedo, to be precise. It was outstanding. Got a chance to do that with the family. And that's what keeps you in the business wait, 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 for 31 years. Did you hear that? Did you hear how he said the word family to me on this show? Got a chance to do that with the family. Had a chance to do that with the family. I mean, seamless, seamless. Had a chance to do that with the family. He did not say he had a chance to do that with the family. 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 If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports. And it doesn't matter what sport you're watching, it's always fun to have a little action. That's why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager. From straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic proposition wager that you can dream up. The app is easy to use, and everybody knows Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines. Join in on the action. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or the Apple App Store today and put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough win bet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. He is Howard Beck. Happy New Year, Howard. What's going on? How are you? 
Happy New Year, Romy. How are you? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Let me start, Howard, by asking you about Kyrie Irving, of course. The expectation is he's going to make his season debut this evening when the Nets play in Indiana. How do you make or what do you make of how this whole thing is played out and the fact that the Nets are, in fact, Howard, bringing him back? Jim, there's so many layers to this, but I think two things strike me as most important here. One is whatever principles the Nets were making their decision on back in October, whether you think it was about wanting players to be vaccinated and wanting to send the right message and wanting to to secure a healthy work environment, whether it was about that or whether it was about just the basketball and not wanting a part-time road game only player, whatever they made those decisions based on, whatever those percentages break down as, they abandoned 100% of it. (laughs) I don't, you know, people can agree, disagree with, New York's law, with NBA policies, with the Nets decisions, whatever. Whatever it was, whatever decisions they made back in October that they took a stand on and said, this is the way we're going to go forward because we think this is what's best for our organization, they have abandoned that. And I know that circumstances were difficult within the last couple of weeks as you know COVID rampaged through the NBA and the Nets were among the teams that lost a ton of players to quarantine. But they're pretty much all back now. And so you can't say it's because they're down bodies. Um, so, you know, that's fine. Uh, they're going to do what they think they got to do to have a successful season. But that leads me to part two, Jim, which is this is uncharted territory. If New York doesn't change its law and if Kyrie Irving does not change his mind about the vaccine, which seems unlikely, then he's going to be a road game only player for 20 something games. And in the playoffs, he's going to only be eligible for half of every series. I think it's insanity. Uh, but that's where they're headed with this. Howard Beck, my guest, I agree with what you just said. So if you had to guess, Howard, what is Brooklyn's end game? I mean, can they win a championship with Irving only playing in road games, or would they hope that they could somehow pressure the local government into lifting the ban? Probably all of it, Jim. Probably, you know, you bring him back now with the hope that somewhere along the way, sometime between now and and mid-April when the playoffs start, maybe the pandemic evolves to a point where New York decides the law is no longer necessary. Or maybe the new mayor, Eric Adams, does make an exception for athletes um, playing home games. Whatever it may be, I'm sure there is some piece of this where it's let's hope things change for the better. And in the meantime, Kyrie's back in the fold and he'll be playing and he'll be that much better. uh, He'll be that much better prepared to contribute to a title run. And obviously, look, that's the only goal for this franchise from the moment that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant signed up for the Nets a couple of years ago. And certainly once they acquired Harden a year ago, that's, that's it. It's all or nothing, which is why Kyrie Irving's decision to, to do this is I think so troubling for them because it's seriously handicapped them uh, in the short term can they win a title with him playing if nothing changes? If he plays half of every playoff series, including the NBA Finals, it would be remarkable. It would be a spectacle in its own right. It would be, it'd be wild. Uh, can they do it? Yeah, because Durant and Harden are that good, and the supporting cast is pretty solid. And I don't think there's anyone, including the Nets, any one overwhelming favorite in the NBA this year. Hmm. Howard Beck is joining us. Howard, let me jump over to the Rockets for a minute because they had themselves quite a weekend, right? Reports indicate that Kevin Porter Jr. got into an argument with assistant coach John Lucas and reportedly threw something before he left the arena. It was all overshadowed by Antonio Brown doing something similar in the NFL. But have you personally ever heard of a player leaving an arena during a game? I don't think so um we discussed this on the crossover pod yesterday chris mannix and i and and i was trying to to rack my brain on this one like i feel like it's probably happened jim i feel like maybe somebody got a phone call that there was like a personal emergency or maybe even somebody did storm off in a huff i'm gonna be i'm gonna bet this i i cannot recall off the top of my head i'm gonna bet that sometime in the last 20 25 years it's happened. It just feels like it should have probably happened. Somebody, you know, there have been plenty of hotheads coming through the NBA uh, in prior eras. Somebody probably has, but yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a name. It is. Uh, it is extreme. It is troubling for the Rockets, I think. But I would just say too, this was the risk they knew they were taking. I mean, the Cavaliers drafted Kevin Porter Jr. with you know in the first round and cut him 
with nothing coming back, you know, didn't didn't trade him because they couldn't at the time because of all the behavioral issues, disciplinary issues they had with him, and that said a lot. So the league knew, the Rockets knew what the risks were uh, in in signing uh, Kevin Porter Jr. And, and look, let's not write off anybody at this early stage of their career and at this age. Um, you know, they've got a, a good support system there, especially with John Lucas. Let's let's see if, if they can get this thing back on a, a, a more productive course. Howard Beck joining us. All right, Howard, you also have a really interesting piece up on SI.com or did so recently about the Golden State Warriors and what they're trying to achieve. They've got Steph Curry. They've got Draymond Green. They're about to get Klay Thompson back. But at the same time, they also have three potential stars who are 20 years old or younger. What do you make of that roster and how they're playing right now? Uh, thanks for the plug, Jim. Appreciate it. It's, it's really rather remarkable what they're doing on every level. What they're trying to pull off, what I wrote about is remarkable in its own right, being a still-existing uh, dynasty that has a chance to win more championships while developing some high-level talent. Because normally, of course, if you are a perennially great team, you're drafting low you're tr- or you're trading your picks entirely. You don't have that caliber of young player. You're, you don't have the shot at lottery picks ordinarily. And the Warriors do. So they've got this dual track they're pursuing where they're trying to, to win another title or may, maybe multiple in the present while developing their next generation. But also, I mean, this whole season's remarkable. I mean, it's like, nobody predicted this, Jim. I mean, even the most optimistic Warriors fan probably would have said at the beginning of the season, yeah, maybe they'll be contenders again sometime soon once Clay Thompson is back. Like, how many times have we all said something to the effect of, once Clay is back, and if Clay is Clay, well, Clay Thompson still hasn't played a game yet. It's coming soon, and here they are. They're one of the best teams in the NBA with Steph Curry and Jordan Poole, who rightfully should be part of that next generation that we're talking about with the Warriors, as, as well as a, a key part of the present. And, and a, you know, a, a revived Andrew Wiggins, who's found his footing in, in Golden State in a way that he never did in Minnesota. And, you know, Draymond Green playing like he's in his prime, and like this team is just really incredibly good and without that that you know that elite second score you know obviously Draymond Green's elite in his own way but he's not the typical part of a one-two punch that you get in the NBA they have Steph Curry and a bunch of other guys who are contributing to scoring they have not had a Clay Thompson type or obviously Kevin Durant Clay will be back soon they'll be that much better James Weissman is still looming to be reintegrated as well that they're only going to probably get better from here without having to make a trade is is just incredible. Talking to Howard Beck, covering a lot of ground with him. Before you go, Howard, I've got to ask you about the Lakers and that win over Sacramento last night. Like, not in and of itself. The fact that they beat the Kings is not that notable, but it was Russell Westbrook's first turnover-free game as a Laker, his first turnover-free game since 2016. So 39 games in, how are you feeling about Westbrook and that fit with the Lakers? Eh. <laughs> right. Still not great. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have his, his, his ups and downs. But, I mean, it's, you know, Westbrook at this stage of his career, he's not finishing at the rim like he used to, which is a really key part of your game if you're a guy who relies on athleticism and does not have a reliable outside shot, which he doesn't. Um, they're going to have their moments. And, you know, LeBron James is playing like he's 10 years younger right now. And so – you know, like that's really the story right now is that he's he's carrying them again. No Anthony Davis and and the supporting cast is is kind of lackluster and Westbrook is all over the place, but LeBron is still playing like an MVP. And as long as he does that, you can never write the Lakers off entirely. But I still think their road from here to, to the playoffs and into the playoffs is really tough because they just don't have enough around LeBron and and Westbrook nobody in the NBA ever thought was a very good fit there. Like, I don't remember a single person at the time that they made that deal thinking, oh, yeah, that's a logical big three, or, yeah, that's a great move for the, for the Lakers. Everybody thought they should have gone for the Buddy Heald route, that they should have kept Alex Caruso for that matter, that they gave up so much to get Westbrook that it really depleted them. And those things are still the case. LeBron can make up for a lot of blemishes, but I think this is a, this is a pretty tall task for him. So really quickly, is there anything they can do to make this team better or even dramatically better? Or since we're halfway through the season, is this essentially who they are and who they're going to be? I think it's who they are, Jim, because there's just not anything left there. They gave up pretty much the entire cupboard to get Anthony Davis a couple of years back. And you'll take that because you win a championship. But I, I thought they 
gave up too much given the negotiating position that they were in. So they don't have anything left really to trade. Uh, you know, they have Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn, and I know Laker fans are sitting there all day in the trade machine trying to trade Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker and some and some 2028 pick for Jeremy Grant or somebody. I just I don't think that combination is going to get much done, if anything. So I think this is pretty much who they are, but. Uh, maybe Rob Palenka and his staff will uh, will surprise us all. He is a senior NBA writer at Sports Illustrated. He is a Sirius XM NBA analyst. He is co-host of the Crossover NBA show with Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And as I just mentioned, we covered a whole lot of ground. Howard, appreciate you very much. Thanks. Great to have you back. Always a pleasure, Romy. Thank you. You're the best, dude. Howard Beck. But it's time for our first beef segment of 2022. And as a reminder to you, not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original, old-fashioned, teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags. That way you can sample different flavors. To find the best one for you, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper with your beef. Thing is, even though we have set it up, you can still get in. It's not too late. Tweet me your beef at Jim Rome, R-O-M-E. Call in with your beef, 1-800-636-8686. I'm really curious. I don't care what's bothering you. I'm here for it. I'm looking for some original beefs, things I've not heard. Are you ready? Let's do this. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there it is. The gigantic plastic tower of beef. It's got a lock on its door. Otherwise, Rit will be all up in there. Mmm. Mmm. Old-fashioned. Mmm, teriyaki. Mmm, mm, all of it. Mmm, mm, Mamby. Mm. Dave the Rocky guy starts us off. Quote, my Man. beef is with salad forks. Why do you have to be one millimeter shorter than the other forks? If you were the same length, my wife would stop yelling at me at fancy sit-down restaurants when I grab the wrong fork. Do better, salad forks. Be longer. Bro, is that that big of an issue for you? The little ones on the outside, that's for the salad. You imagine the trouble my man must have with the little crab forks, the skinny little ones. Uh, Trader Brent, quote, Jimmy, my beef is with people, including myself. At a party, I make eye contact with an acquaintance. Neither of us acknowledge said eye contact, and then at the end of the night, we bump into each other excitedly, pretending like we haven't seen each other all night. That's actually funny. I like that. I like that because that's new. That's different. At Mock Moda tweets, my beef is watching a snowplow leisurely driving down a snow-covered street with his blade up. Bro. You're a freaking snowplow. Drop your blade. Do your job. Hey, James. My beef is with Clippers guard Luke Kennard. The dude is losing his hair, but he attempts to hide it like a bitch. He spends the whole game desperately raking his lettuce forward to cover his receding hairline. Hey, Luke. Stop being a coward. Embrace it. I did, and my wife is hot as hell. Casey in New Hampshire. I like that. Another good beef. A beef with another man's lettuce. Romy Rome. My beef is with my relatives adding water to the soft soap dispenser to try and extend the life of the soap. I know you are cheap, but come on. Really? Come on. Cheapskate bastards. Come on. Stop trying to extend the life of the soft soap. Come on. Pete and Phoenix. (laughs) Hey, Rome, my beef is getting stuck behind school buses that stop every 20 feet. To drop off each kid in front of their house. Would it really kill the little chunkers to walk one extra block to their home? Jeff from PDX. (laughs) This is a good one. Jim, my beef is with a guy who carries a five-pound ball of keys on the outside of his pants. 
Here's a tip. You don't have to personally carry every key you have ever owned. If you haven't used a key in the last month, put it in a drawer. Put the keys you actually use in your pocket. Maybe then you won't sound like a sleigh ride when you walk. Brian in Detroit. Well done. Brian in San Pedro. Quote, Jim, I got beef with in and out Not with the food, but with their bags. Not keeping my animal style double-double and fries hot until I get home. Time to get some new bag technology. Are there bags at fast food restaurants to keep food hot? I mean, somebody could invent that. Somebody could pitch Mark Cuban on that. You got to pay for that, yo. If you really want that. Or I don't know, eat it there. Or eat it in the car. Or reheat it. Come on! Hey, Jim. (laughs) We've covered this beef so many times. Dear Jim, my beef is with shopping cart wheels. These things either turn on their own or drive the wagon into the shelf, knocking over 50 boxes of cereal, or the wheels lock up and send me over the handlebars. I am fairly certain that Kroger, Safeway, and these other multi-billion dollar companies can afford to spend a few more cents on wheels that work. Dan in Tucson. I mean, Dan, you're right, but I've heard that beef at least 20 times. Come on! Come on. Lefty and KC, quote, Jim, my beef is with people who think it's their job to police the neighborhood children while they are outside playing. Hey, D-bag, that's what kids do outside. They play. Hashtag, mind your freaking business. Romy, my beef is with whack lean in Bumaha. Just because her probation officer lets her leave her group home once a week to call doesn't mean that Chalk has to answer it. Whackleen. Stick with what you're good at. Mainly huffing cow manure and watching horrible football. Damn, Ryan. He just smacked Whackleen in Bumaha. Like, you know, she's become like a beef every week for her participation in the beef segment. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the Blackberry Bold 9900. I was still using it until recently, knowing that the January 4th deadline was approaching. I was trying to get some important info off the device when about a month ago, it channeled its inner axle and it died. Now it won't turn on or take a charge, and I've got to figure out how to get about 500 low-resolution pics of my kids off it, which is proving to be way tougher than one might think. Happy New Year, Austin near Calgary. Good job, Austin. Sorry about that, but good take. That was off something I mentioned earlier this week. Romeo Void. Yeah, I got a beef with myself. That I don't have the brass to call the show. I guess I'm just a scared coward. Mick in the 216. Jimmers. I got loads of beef. With these knuckleheads sitting in the JTP between shows, ripping on you and the show, then immediately trying to get their tweets read the second the show starts. Abigail in San Diego. War the Clone. Family. Family. War lady clone. Yeah, man, they're crying because I won't read their bleep. (laughs) Hey, Rome, my beef is with my neighbor directly across the street from me who still insists on inflating a 10-foot Santa on his lawn each night. Enough is enough kook. Chad in Orlando. Hi, Jim. My beef... Is no hi Jim. Do you want to know what my beef is? My beef is when someone says this story is really funny and it never ever is. Bella B in Calgary. Bella, you know who does that? DJ. Dodger Jano does that a lot. And I always answer it the same way. I'll be the judge of that. 
This is a really funny story. I'll be the judge of that. Romy. I have beef with people that have beef with salad forks. Who do you think you are? Beauregard? Just use the same dinner fork for everything, moron. I love a beef in response to an earlier beef. Now we're getting somewhere, Geoff. This is from at Fatboy Nate. That's his handle. I'm not calling him fat. He is. My beef is people that expect me to plow a road when I haven't been paid for the job. Tell your cheap ass HOA to shell out some dough and get it done. All right. Another beef in response to an earlier beef. Jimmo's. My beef is with my doctor. He says I am turning into RIT. Diabetes. Diabetes. So the meds he gave me make me have to deal with the great equalizer. Yes, it is. JR in the 414. Bro, the doctor probably gave you that drug for a reason. He doesn't want you to turn into RIT. Diabetes. Diabetes. Brad SoCal tweets, Jim, my beef is with parking lot guy with his blinker on waiting for the ultimate parking spot while we are all trapped behind him. I could have been in and out of the store by the time you have parked. Get out of my way. This one says my beef is with the idiots who think they can speak something into reality. Stop thinking that telling me your ridiculous resolutions means that you will keep them. Tell you what, sometime around April or May, tell me about the 30 pounds you shed, all the new things you did with your family, or how glad you are that you looked up from your Twitter feed long enough to read War and Peace. I promise that I will be impressed. Larry in Albany. Rome, my beef is with the losers that have beef with the new people heading to the gym for their New Year's resolution. Get your head out of your ass and be happy with the fact that people are trying to better themselves and their health. You hack. Nick and Erie. That's true. At least they're trying. At least they are trying. All right, let's go to the phones. It's been a big beef segment so far. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Wisco, Susie. Hey, Susie, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. I got a beef with the end-of-school pickup line. Is it really necessary to socially distance our vehicles six feet apart? It's way more room than needed to pull away, yet not enough room for another car to pull into the line, unless you're Brad in the 360 with a tandem bike. So I find myself circling the block, Whilst one of those dopes is warm and blissfully playing on their phone. Move up or move out. That's too long, Susie. You don't like move up or move out? Get in and get out. Bam, bam, bam. State your beef, keep moving. State your beef, keep moving. If you have to compose your beef and read it to me, it's not good enough. Let's go to Boise. Ty in Boise. What's going on, Ty? What's your beef? Jim, my beef is being dialed in like the head and going 14-2 and two this last weekend with no skin in the game because I can't use win due to gambling not being bleeping legal countrywide. Ward Danica ruining clown tenderonis next week. I'm out. <laughs> my man, I got you. We'll get there. We'll eventually get there. But I, hey, look, I'm in California. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is frustrating. It's really frustrating to have a big weekend and know you could have got paid, but you couldn't get down. Ward Danica ruining tenderoni in clown gear. Let's quickly go to Carl in Indy. Carl, what's your beef? With the lid on the can of spam nowadays, brother. Used to be they had this little key. You could easily twist that lid off with no danger. Now they got this massive pull tab. And, Jim, you spend two seconds before you rip that off, wondering if you're going to lose a couple digits before you get to that wonderful multi-animal ground goo inside. <laughs> My man, nice job. Carl and Indy. Carl was like, I should not have to risk losing digits to get to spam. All right, full disclosure. I've never had spam in my entire life. 
I've been on this planet five decades plus. I have never once sampled spam. I know they can. I didn't know they changed the lid top. I didn't know, but I've never had it, so I can't say. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Dom in Erie. Dom, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with my bitch-ass brother and his controlling girlfriend watching Netflix with the volume at 100 while using subtitles. Please turn the volume down. It's hard enough in my ears having to listen to that hillbilly Kathleen call in from the swamp boat with her Brian Kelly accent talking about which quarterback she wants to start a family with. I really don't want hearing aids anytime soon. And, Alvy, thanks for not screwing up my name this time, you bitch. <laughs> no. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not you want to know something call. funny? Well, that. You know what's funny? When was the last time you heard me laugh out loud on the show? Like, like that was really funny. Hey, Alvy, thanks for not screwing up my name this time, you bitch. I, I don't know. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's me. You tell me. Yeah, Rome, that's you. That was really funny. Like, I, I sometimes will stifle a laugh or chuckle, but that was laugh out loud funny to me. And there were a couple of moments in that <laughs> that I thought were pretty funny. But then when he snuck in at <laughs> that very end, hey, Alvy, thanks for not butchering my name, you bitch. I'm going to want that reset, you bitch, Alvin. That was really funny. I could walk off on that, but I'm going to play the hot hand. Let's go to Nashville. Chad. What's your beef, Chad? Hey, Rummy. My beef is with my wife when the fertility doctor says there needs to be a lot more wrestling, but the stupid app on her Apple phone says not until next week. Throw away the damn iPhone. Put the Apple Watch in the drawer and let me in the ring. I'm out. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Throw the app away. Put the watch in the drawer and let me in the ring. I like it. Fertility smack. Let's keep going. Nice rally. As I mentioned, Kathleen has become an entity in the sense that she is now beef. Kathleen's famous for her beefs, but she has become a beef of others because of her participation in the beef segment, if you follow me, and she's here to respond. Let's go to Kathleen in Omaha. Hello, Kathleen. What is your beef? So, who that jackass? I do not have a parole officer. I never, ever lived in a group home. And so what? I got great taste in quarterbacks. And I like beautiful men. Whether they're thick and meaty like Justin Herbert or Aaron, so what? Good job, Kathleen. I like it. It's a good response. She wanted to set the record straight and say that she does not have a parole officer. She has never been in a group home. And so what if she's attracted to quarterbacks? And so what if they're beefy and beautiful men? Hell yes. That's a good beef segment. It's a good beef segment if you can get Kathleen to respond, and she responds well. And it's really a good beef segment if you can get me to laugh out loud, which I did at that guy calling Alvin out for being a bitch. Dom. I got to hear that one more time, Alvin, going to break. bitch-ass brother and his controlling girlfriend watching Netflix with the volume at 100 while using subtitles. Please turn the volume down. It's hard enough in my ears having to listen to that hillbilly Kathleen call in from the swamp boat with her Brian Kelly accent talking about which quarterback she wants to start a family with. I really don't want hearing aids anytime soon. And, Alvy, thanks for not screwing up my name this time, you bitch. (laughs) That was so funny to me because you heard me kind of go... When he said, I don't want hearing aids anytime soon. I thought that was going to be the line of the call. But then when he quickly doubled down and chased it with, hey, hey Alvy, thanks for not screwing up my name again. Or this time, you bitch. <laughs> like, like, I want to say, <laughs> saying that something sucks is not a take. And calling somebody a bitch is not a take. Except, 
How can I not allow that? And that made me laugh out loud. You bitch. <laughs> Just the way he said it. The way he tagged it. And again, I think some of you might be saying, Rome, it's not that funny. And to you, I don't know, for, for some reason. Like, there's a lot of things that you think are funny that I know are not funny. That, to me, just hit me as really, really funny, you bitch. You bitch. (laughs) This is the way he said it, too. You bitch. You bitch. All right, so tell me, am I wrong or am I right? All right, so let's break. I've got Greg Gard coming up at 40 past. Nice job. That's why we do that. What's your beef? Once a week on Wednesdays. Let me get your reaction to it because it's going to be a shorter segment on the other side of this, you bitches. You bitch. Probably should be careful with that. This show is on in the middle of the day. Alvi, Alvi's nodding his head. Hey, Alvin, are you nodding your head because you feel like we shouldn't be saying that? Or are you nodding your head because he called you the bitch? You bitch. Why, why are you nodding in agreement, Alvin? Are you trying to keep us out of trouble? Or do you not like that that guy went in on you? You bleep. You bitch. That a way, Dom. Hey, Dom, I, I apologize that we ever got your name wrong. But then again, no, I don't. Because that would not have happened. If we got your name right, Don. Good night now!